the Baltimore Orioles, Kevin Parker. Crucial, I can't, I feel like slapping myself in the face. Crucial three-game series. You can if you want. In August, we all so boldly predicted the Blue Jays tuning up for uh, the Orioles series by dropping two of three to the Cleveland Guardians, continuing their annoying habit of not being able to beat teams over 500 losing another season series in the process to a team that could conceivably finish in a tie with them in the wild card race and uh, scoring what, what four runs in three games. Yep. Against uh, the guardians yesterday, Shane Bieber carving them up in a seven, two win. Is this just a matter, Kevin, where we have to sort of tip our cap to, the Guardians for all their their good pitching, or uh, does that did that series tell us more about the Jays than it did about the Guardians? I'm not sure. That's that's a this time of the year. It's a it's a hard question to answer. It. Shane Bieber's good. If you've noticed, he's he's got pretty good stuff. He can. So's Kevin Gosman. He can. Well, Kevin Gosman needs a slider. He needs fastball command. He needs a. Uh, you know, the the same tunneling of the fastball and the split finger to go deeper in games against good teams. And when he doesn't have that, like yesterday, he would fall behind what he faced 24 batters. He threw 10 strike ones. That will give a good team better chances to have a competitive bat with two strikes because now you're falling behind. Now they can eliminate a pitch till they get to two strikes. Now he has to work harder. Now he doesn't go deeper in games. Now the at-bats last longer. He has to work harder. And when you have to work harder, that means you have to turn the ball over to your bullpen a little sooner than you want to. So, yeah, it's – look, look. I, I think this what this does tell you against the teams that matter the most is they, they really need George Springer in the lineup. Like, it, I did, to, to say that he does things that separates their team from other teams when he's there consistently – it's an understatement. Like, just the length of their lineup now. Say, say George Springer comes off the I.L. and he's in the game today. Now, all of a sudden, uh, Matt Chapman is hitting seventh instead of hitting fifth. You really want Matt Chapman to hit fifth? I don't. I know he's hit some home runs, and he's tied with, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but I don't want him hitting there. It makes their lineup longer and deeper and more of a threat and easier for John Snyder to figure out eight and nine than it would be five through nine. All right. What do you, and, of course, it also means that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. drops That's into okay. a run-producing spot. That, that adds spot. length. You want him coming up with runners on base would make your team a little bit longer, a little harder to pitch to. Now, all of a sudden, you got Springer, Vladdy, Kirk, Teo, Bo. Lourdes would hit, be hitting sixth. Chapman would be hitting seventh. Espinal can hit eighth. Mary, Mary Phil, whoever you want to mix and match, eight and nine, Biggio, Tapia, Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, there's a lot of ways you can go eight and nine just by having Springer in the lineup. What are you doing? What are you doing, Alejandro, when, when Dan Jansen needs to be in the game? That, that to me, is the biggest perfect, issue. Perfect lineup. More times than not. That's your lineup. Now, occasionally you're going to have to give Alejandro Kirk some days off, and Danny Jansen will be in the game. And yeah, Kirk can't. Then you'll mix Kirk in. Kirk can't catch four, well, he's, four he's, or five he's, starting. That's the pitchers. thing is how how will Springer look? We had this conversation after the game yesterday. Can he play a little outfield? Can you stick him in right field? Not put him in center. Can you put him in center? Hopefully, he doesn't get the ball. That's the little unknown. There is the perfect lineup with him in it. 
is the lineup I just mentioned. So, and now you're going to have to mix and match when certain guys are throwing and Danny Chanson has to be in the game. And that's that's what you sort of have to go through. But just by having him yeah, in the see, lineup uh, makes the, your lineup deeper and harder to pitch to. The problem I have is, is I mean, I get maybe George Springer is going to play in the outfield. I don't know if the, the injury is any – I mean, I would think the injury could probably be aggravated just as easily swinging the bat as it would be uh, as it would be, as, as it would be playing in the outfield, but if the idea is to keep George Springer healthy enough for for uh, September and October, I mean, I got to think he's got to be. Well, just you got to get. You got to get to gotta, October. I, yeah, but I got to get. But, to but I got to. Well, I, I've got to think he's got to be just in the DH. That that to me is a bigger issue well, there. It, again, it's it's we we will see about that. The more games he plays, we'll see if obviously probably if he comes off today, he'd be he'd be DHing, and that'll disrupt your lineup and how it's going to look in the middle of the order and who's hitting third and who's hitting sixth and where do you put Matt Chapman and all, how's how's your lineup look and all those things. Yeah. I'm I'm with you, but just putting George in the lineup all of a sudden makes it longer, deeper, better hitters are are closer to the end of of your lineup than to the front of your lineup. So it makes it a little, you know, the if you're gonna have all these right-handed hitters, at least you could have some good ones at the bottom of the order harder to pitch to. That's the whole point here. And hopefully. I'm not saying he is because I have no idea, and I don't think a ton of people do, about whether he gets to play the or can play defense. But they got 49 games left. They got five days off in those 49 games. If George Springer can play most of those 49, I mean, he's got some days off in there. It's not like they have to give him schedule some. Like, he's already got them. That's the thing here is, is those games. And, and if you look – on who they got to start with, right? If, if you sort of do the rough math over the 49, you got your big three. That would be Manoa, Gosman, and Barrios are going to get just about right at 27 starts. How's your other 22 starts going to look? That, for me, those 22 starts and how many of those 49 games George Stringer can play, that, for me, will determine on where they go, where they play, and if they make the playoffs or Before not. we move on, let's take a look back at that series this weekend, though. Um, and again, it, it continued you know, the Jays' lack of success against teams over 500. As we stand right now, the Houston Astros are leading uh, the Central. They're 75 and 41. They have the best record in the American League East. The Yankees are 72 and 43. Cleveland is 61 and 53. Toronto holds the uh, top wild card spot. They are 61 and 52. Seattle 62 and 54. Four, Tampa Bay, 60-53. Then you get Baltimore a game and a half back. Minnesota, two back. Chicago, two back. Boston, still four and a half back. This is the reason we talk about the record over 500. Houston, 15 games over against teams with a 500 record or better. The Yankees, 10 games over. Cleveland, two games over. Toronto, 10 games under against teams with a better than 500 record. Keep that number in mind. Ten games under. Seattle, one game under. Tampa Bay, four games under. Baltimore, seven games under. Minnesota, five games under. Chicago, six games under. Boston, nine games under. The Jays, of all the teams, either with a playoff spot right now or in playoff contention, have the worst record against teams that are over 500. Explain that to me because we look at this team and even after this weekend, 
offensively, they're still at or near the top of a lot of important stats. Mm -hmm. The bullpen has been statistically good, better than good, pretty good for six weeks. How, like, what isn't equating here? Is it simply the starting rotation that we need to have to be focusing on right now is the reason for that record under against teams that are under 500? Because it seems more often than not, Kevin, that when you're playing a team that's over 500, you're going to be facing a good starting pitcher. And it seems a lot of the times as if the J starting pitchers haven't been able to go toe to toe. I would say it's a, I would say it's accumulation of a bunch of things. George, George Springer's only played in 89 of the 113 games. I think that's the consistency of him being in the leadoff spot, uh, setting the tone. I think that's a you know that's not been the greatest thing for their lineup. That puts other guys in positions. Now I'm not saying Lourdes can't go up and he's not changed anything. He's had a really good year. He'll stay inside baseballs. He hits it where it's pitched. He has the great bat to ball skills. You know all the long limb thing issues that he had beginning of the season. The streakiness looks like he's a little over that. Like he's found something moving away off the plate. Uh, just allows him to let the ball travel and hit it where it's pitched. So you, you sort of like that. The Barrios thing, I think, is probably the one little. Hey, he was not I, good this this, he, he this has, weekend. He hasn't been real good. I mean, uh, we, we've seen him strike out 13. We've seen him strike out 10. And then we've seen him look like he's never pitched before. So uh, for me, anyway, down the stretch, I, I think if you're the coaching staff, if you're the front office, I don't. I know those stats don't look good that you just read off. I don't think you can look at those anymore. I think you got to be happy that you're in the first wild card. I think you got to be fortunate with what I just mentioned. Barrios not being Barrios that they thought he would be. George Springer not playing enough. But you are in that spot. You have 49 games left. You have 34 of the 49 against teams that are 500 or better. Those are probably, and oh, by the way, 35 games out of the 49 are against the American League East. It's not going to be easy, but it is for me anyway. If you break this down, and I tried to break this down last night, I, I'm going to go with the big three starters. That just experience. Now, Manoa is just, for me, good. He'll figure out how to get people out enough to give their, their most of the time in his next nine starts. Now, that could waver. That could be eight. That could be ten. But I'm going to go with nine. In the next nine starts, you would think most of the time he'll give their team a chance to win. The 27 between the big three, I like that. Like, I just think the, the experience from Gosman and Brios, I know Brios has had an up-and-down year, and you sort of hold your breath when he goes there. But I'm going to just bank on experience, and he will figure it out enough to give them a decent chance to win. It's the other 22 starts, Jeff. You got three guys, Stripling, White, and, and Yusei Kikuchi. What are those 22 starts going to look like? I think, I think anyway, if you've noticed, the bullpen is sort of I, – I think John and Pete Walker are doing enough to mix and match and put everybody in the positions, you know, righties against righties against lefties, who matches up best against that, give enough guys days off. They're not afraid to use their closer, you know, more than three batters, which is a big deal this time of the year. And it looks like the velocity's there for him. He's not abusing the slider. He's using it when he has to use it. So it seems like – Anyway, I'm banking on that. If you're a fan of the Blue Jays, you bank on the bullpen's figured it out. It's just those 22 starts and how many games can George Springer play? The uh, loss yesterday, the 7-2 loss to uh, Shane Bieber and the Guardians. We talked a little bit about this on Blue Jays Talk. Uh, this was one of those games where the early season issues 
with runners in scoring position really manifested themselves, I thought, as good as Shane Bieber was. And, you know, and Shane Bieber is one of the best pitchers in baseball. The Jays did have a couple of opportunities to, if not break the game open, to certainly put multiple runs on the board. The first inning, you talked yesterday in Blue Jays, talk about Matt Chapman, Chapman striking out, the run already in, two uh, runners in second and third, chasing two sliders, striking out. Rymel Tapia comes up, lines up to the first baseman. Then you go later in the game. Later in the game, the Jays have a run in. You've got one out. You've got Lourdes Gurriel Jr. on second. Vladdy chases a slider. Now that drives in a run, but, uh, or I'm sorry, he chased two sliders and that at bat. It drove in a run, but that's probably, that's not the optimum you, result you want. In that situation, you're hoping Vladdy cashes in a couple of runs with maybe, a, yeah, with Guriel running, maybe even a single does it. Certainly a single, or a, a double would do it. Those two at bats in particular really prevented the Jays from, from, from from putting together any from, from putting Shane Bieber under under a lot of pressure and forcing him to go outside his comfort zone. I will say you got your best two power hitters up when it mattered the most. Now it can happen at odd times of the game. You said it in the first inning, the fifth inning. You didn't ma- mention in the seventh inning when Vladdy came up for first and second and two outs and took yeah. the heater, the one one heater right down the middle because he's guessing. And then and he I, swung after I the was pitch watching, went by. I him. was watching the the Yankees game last night. Guessing is a bad theme in baseball. There's a lot of good teams who guess a lot. It's odd. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm i assuming that that the the khakis just overwhelm hitters so much with information that when they walk to the plate, you're supposed to throw this pitch and this count, and if you don't throw it, it sort of looks like you're guessing all the time because you take different kinds of pitches, and, and this just gives credit to the catcher and the pitcher for making adjustments. You know, it's you, you go up there with a game plan because that's been the plan for most of the pitchers. That's why you go up there with it. But when you make in-season adjustments and you go against what you've been doing, that's how you get certain people out. It's just, you know, it's the big at-bats. That, that's, you asked the question about why are they getting beat. I think it's the big at-bats. It's the one big, big d- defensive play. It's the starting pitcher who has trouble throwing strike one. It's the eighth inning guy that comes in and doesn't have his good secondary pitch. It's just one little certain thing against good teams that that's the reason why they're good teams is you have to do everything right. You're almost, it almost seems as if maybe we gave this team too much credit going into the year. I see. I'm not in that camp. I, I still think they're a good team. I, I do. I'm. I think they got a, a, enough good starting pitching. It's very hard to get in Jose Barrios's corner, but I'm gonna bank on experience. I truly am. Like I, I just think that it's gonna be good enough to give them a chance. And again, I say this: the five teams that are in this thing, the Jays, the Mariners, the Rays, the Twins. The Orioles, and if you want to throw the White Sox in there, so that's six well, teams. the Guardians can, have to be in there, and too. And the Guardians. So you could throw six teams in there, pick three of them, and you could have an argument for those three teams. And it could be three different ones. So it's not like one of the teams. The Mariners seems to be the one team just because of their, their couple of starting pitchers that they have, and their third starting pitcher is probably better than the other couple of teams starting the third guy. Their he's bullpen looks better. like he's got a the, bunch of swing starting miss. pitchers better than a couple of those other teams, number two Well, guy. I mean, he's, well, he's, let's he's, be clear. he's young. So, they, again, I just don't think there's one team 
out of those wild card teams that's way better than everybody else is my point. So we talk a lot about Jose Barrios' home and road splits being an issue, which I mean, they are, although you know, clearly he didn't have a good outing in that 8 nothing loss on Saturday. But Shai pulled out a uh, Shai Davidi pulled out a stat that is even more concerning to me. Jose Barrios in 15 outings against teams over 500 has a 6.61 ERA. That's hard to do. In eight outings against teams under 500, he's got a 3.77 ERA. You know that that and I've been the guy that's been in Jose Barrios's corner all along. I have to admit that I hadn't looked at those numbers before. That astounds me. That astounds me. And all your starts, most of your starts the rest of the way are going to be against teams over over 500. American I think League you've East got teams. I think you've got the Angels, you've got a series against the Angels thrown in there someplace. I don't know if there's um if there's anybody else. I don't think there is. I think the Angels are the only team under under 500 that they face, are they not? No, no. Well, the next 10 games, you got the Orioles, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. The Orioles are at home. That's the three games. The four games are against the Yankees. So Boston's the other team under 500. Yeah, then you, right well, you okay. got you got three against the Angels, three against the Cubs. Those, oh, those the Cubs. six are, those right. six are at home. The Cubs. And you got three against Pittsburgh. Okay. And then you got four against the Orioles. Then you got three against Texas. All of those, All right. those 10 games are on the road. So you do have some teams. That, this is why. That I that I wanted to mention of how you break this down. Be happy that where you're at, and you're not playing well against good teams. But there is a window here. The next ten is is a dogfight. Fight to be six and ten, five, six and four out of the next ten. That's three, three against the Orioles, four against the Yankees, three against the Red Sox. Fight to be six and four, and then you've got sixteen against so-so teams that you should be going. I don't know. You're not including the Orioles as a so-so team. I th- again, <laughs> I are know where the, the I know where the Orioles are. So you're including you them as a ma- so-so team. If you team. want to make the playoffs, right? This year, yeah, you should be beating the Orioles most of the time. Not saying all the time, most of the time. So I'm going to throw them in there as you want to compete, you want to do the right thing. They're a good team. That means you have to do all the little things. Run the bases. Don't let a a pop-up at home because of the hot turf bounce over your head. That's a little thing. I'm not saying you're not a human being and you're not hustling and trying to do all the little things, but that's home field advantage. Those are the little things. So that's what I'm saying is fight to be six and four against the, those Orioles and the Yanks and the Red Sox. And then the next 16 games, I know four of those against the big bad Orioles. So but you, the other games are three of the Angels, three of the Cubs, three of the of Pittsburgh, three of Texas. Like you you should be doing some things there is my point. And that's where it comes into the 27 starts from your big three. And then the other 22 starts with Stripling, White, and, and Yusei Kikuchi. So you got some room here, is my point. And you got five off days. So you and you can... got five off days mixed in over the 49 games. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But if you look at it that way and you just take it in little sums and go the next 10 games, I get it. And I know who they're against. I know, I know only three of those are at home. And I know going to Yankee Stadium is not easy. And I know going to the Red Sox is not easy because now they don't have anything to lose. They're playing the house money. They don't care. They're just going out doing things, right? There's no pressure there. Well, they're so you got to play well. Yeah. So you could, if you look at it that way, and take it just a little bit at a time, 
That's my point. I, and I still think they're one of the better teams in that wild card hunt. I know what the Guardians look like, and I know how tough they are to get out with two strikes. I, I get all that. But the Blue Jays are still a good team. They're not, they're, they got their warts just like all the other teams do. Look at the Yankees. So people are going, teams are going through it. It's just how you handle it, how you get through it. And normally, most of the time, like you said in the show last night, it starts with starting pitching. Jamaican Mitch White, he's good enough to get some of those starts, is he not? I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he will. Yeah, he's a smart guy. You can see that. Like, he throws a little bit harder than Stripling does, which is a good thing, I think. That allows him to not have to be as fine. He's a kitchen sink guy. He's got to be unpredictable, OO, unpredictable with two strikes. He's got to command quadrants of the strike zone with the, with the fastball. He's got to be real good against lefties. And just don't implode. Like, that's the whole thing here. When you're a fifth or sixth guy in a rotation, it's okay to give them four and two-thirds. Four and a third. It's okay to do that. If you hand the ball to the manager with a, you know, either it's one nothing, you're down, or it's two to one, you're up. Those are good starts. So I'm I'm thinking he can give you that. Having stripling back is going to help. You say Kikuchi can give you anything. Just a chance is a plus. And George Springer stays in the lineup most of the time. I didn't talk you into anything there, did I? No, I tried. No, you didn't. I tried. You didn't. Uh, well, I tried. Well, you reminded me that the, that 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 the schedule does have that sort of that soft, if you want to call it that soft white underbelly, that you you should be able to uh, you should be able to have some some joy against teams like like uh, the Angels uh, and the Cubs and, cer- and and certainly the Pirates. But um, yeah, I, I as I, I just find it puzzling that they are. If they are as good as you say they are, and if they are as good as look, I, I mean, I had them going to the World Series. Ten games under five hundred is really. You concerning. asked me if I it's thought they really were good enough concerning. to be a wild card team. I said yes. Yeah. I'm not saying they're better than the Astros or even the the struggling Yankees or e- even some of the other teams like the Mariners. Head to head, three games. I, I you got your questions, mm. but you asked me to make the playoffs. Yeah. No. I. I, I did. I just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what Kikuchi does tonight. And so you're basing the rest of their season the, off of you say Kikuchi start. N- no, I'm not, but I'm saying, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what he does tonight because they are, I just think they're managing too many things right now. You know, you're managing a guy in Jose Barrios who can't win on the road and hasn't been able to beat teams over 500. You're managing a guy in Kevin Gossman. He's having a terrific year. He's a much better pitcher on the road than he is at home. You're managing Alec Manoa and those innings. And then you've got, to me, it's almost you know Stripling and White, leave them aside. And then you've got Yusei Kikuchi. And it seems as if the Jays' approach with Kikuchi is they're still, they're just going to run him out there come hell or high water. With those five off days, I mean, I, I would really be leaning towards, as I said, just shelving him, just putting him in the in the bullpen and letting him letting him become Trent Thornton. And I'd I'd be willing to go with I'd be willing to go with all those righties. I mean, at least they're going to give me a chance. But if Kikuchi, as I said, if Kikuchi pitches well, here's the thing with Kikuchi: if he pitches well tonight, he's going to get another start. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't pitch well tonight, he's probably going to get another start. <laughs> like that's what. 
That's what I'm, concerns me. I'm not sure I agree with that, are. though. I, I think they're at the part of the season. They, they know exactly what I tried to sit at home last night when I was watching golf and figure this out. Why the hell were you watching because golf? Because it was really good. That's why. It was really good. Golf? And you talk about pressure. Oh, my gosh. Where every, every swing is millions of dollars. Oh, you can roll your eyes all you want, but you talk pressure. Were they hitting split-fingered pitches? No, or? They, were, they were not. No, no, no. I've tried to hit split fingers. It's never cost yeah. me a million dollars. So they weren't hitting. Swing. They were just hitting stationary. Have you ball. ever tried to hit one of those? Yeah. When everybody's watching not and every swing matters yeah. millions of dollars? So no, you haven't. Guys so, don't yeah, that's what I was bags. trying to do when right. I was – when I was trying to figure out, there must all have this been stuff. something else on TV. I'm sure. Nope. Weren't I thought it was. Weren't good. you watching baseball? I like. I like. Were you watch... watching baseball? No. I thought you just finished saying you watched the Yankees. And I, the Red I did. I was. Fl- it lasted like 25 yeah, it was, minutes. True. The it was two hours did. and f- the golf did. Oh. And then I watched the the Yankees. All right. I mean, I'm sorry that you watch absolutely nothing other than what soccer and cricket and baseball. Yeah, I'm me. I'm a. I'm a. I want to watch a guy do something that I can't do. That's pretty special. Now you made me lose my train of thought because you made me mad there. No, you were talking about looking at the. Uh, the yeah, I'm sure, that, I'm sure they're probably doing. I'm what you sure were they're going to do the exact same thing I was doing. How do you figure out how to win the next ten and not the next forty nine? I'm sure that's how you do it. You worry about the games that's in front of you. You worry you, about you worry. The series. And John basically. Snyder, quite frankly, you're talking about managing all these things. He's managing to be the manager next year. So you give him credit for what he's trying to do. It's the reason why he's going, well, this guy coming out of the pen, he's right-handed because we don't have Tim Mesa matches up better against lefties than he does righties. This is why we're throwing him. This is why we want to think ahead two innings before it actually happens. This is give John Snyder credit. He wants to be a manager for a very long time. The only way you do that is to go to the playoffs. Give him no reason not to bring you back as the manager. So he's trying to do the best. And again, it will help to have a better Brios, and it will help tremendously having George Springer back in the lineup. Uh, we are going to be joined by Buck Martinez later on in the show. Mike Bordick will take a look at the Orioles who uh, are refusing to go away and uh, I don't know if you saw this they they ran out their number four prospect uh, DL Hall mm-hmm. this week pitching prospect uh, they are sending him down to the minors to develop a bullpen routine and they are going to bring him up you'll probably see the Jays an awful lot they're going to bring him up have him relieve the rest of the year and then next year in spring training he'll go back to being a starter and the only reason I mention that is every time when I see that I keep thinking of Nate Pearson I don't know why I keep thinking of Nate Pearson, but it's just interesting that that's the approach the Orioles are taking with Sky. We'll talk to Mike Bordick. Mm. We'll talk to Mike Bordick about that as well. As always, DMs are open for Barker's back leg bits. We will get to them at the end of the show. And yes, indeed, we do have Jay's tickets to give away for the August 28th game against the Angels. So lots ahead. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360. Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to... uh... Optimistic Monday. <laughs> Optimistic Monday. 
I've never seen anybody get so mad. More at like me fever dream I, Monday. Because I am optimistic. I'm not about mad the at you. Yeah, I'm you're not, mad. I'm not mad at you. You were mad during the break. Yeah, I How wasn't dare mad. you? I wasn't, I wasn't mad during the <laughs> you break. You were too. I just sometimes I think you just take the opposite approach just for the sake of taking the opposite approach. Which is fine. I, I don't mind I, it. I would have to go back and, and listen to myself talk about, uh, that I've ever done that. That I actually put in a little bit of work. Well, that, look, a little bit of work. I know. You put and in tried work. to give reasons why You're just, that you think that they're as good as any of the other five or six teams that are in it for the, for the wild card and have a chance just as good as they do. It is interesting that really? I, I do think you are right in – reminding people that they right now do hold down the first wild no card question. spot because it is it is very easy given the way especially given the way this weekend went it's very easy to just kind of assume that the wheels have fallen off the wheels haven't really fallen off and and, yesterday, and, and in, in, if if you want take a look at bob nightingale sent out a tweet about american league team records post the all-star break it's amazing how many good teams have really come out of the all-star and, break Flat. Let's not lie about it. They were, they were one really good at bad away from that outcome being different yesterday. That, yeah, first, they weren't that winning. first inning at bat was better. That fifth inning at bat was better. That seventh inning at bat was better. That yeah, they could have been a different outcome. They, they weren't winning Friday's game. Saturday's game, Saturday's game, they won because it was it was a well-pitched game, and they got a couple, a couple of home runs. Anyhow, it's Monday. You know what that means we do. In the East. Yeah, we look around the AL East, a division in which the Toronto Blue Jays are still in second place. I, I think they know already. <laughs> That's remarkable, isn't it? You know, that it, we talk so much these days about velocity and three true outcomes. We haven't seen a perfect game pitched in almost 10 years. It just blew me away. I haven't seen a perfect game pitched in 10 years, and I guess it's... I was going to say it's even more remarkable that the Tampa Bay Rays, who for so long have been built in pitching, 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 that they've never had a perfect game. I was thinking this to myself, and then I thought, on the other hand, you have Kevin Cash as a manager, and would Kevin Cash ever let one of his pitchers get a perfect game? Well, Drew Rasmussen yesterday came close to upsetting Kevin Cash's best laid plans the team's best laid plans coming within three outs of a perfect game before Jorge Mateo of the Orioles broke it up with a double. Now, the Rays settled for a 4-1 win. Going into this week, they still hold down the final wild card spot by a game and a half over the Orioles. Rasmussen was so efficient that Cash wasn't even given the chance to think about taking him out of the game until after that double. And uh, now it's on to New York play the Yankees for the Rays. And this is what Drew Rasmussen and Kevin Cash had to say after that game. Now for that ninth inning, when Mateo broke that up, what was your reaction? Uh, I mean, you know, I think perfect games, no hitters, that kind of stuff are just things that happen. Um, if you make quality pitches, you can limit weak, or you can limit hard contact. And if you limit hard contact, you've got a real chance to, you know, go deep into games and, and give your team a chance to win. If, if, you know, you find a way to complete it by making good pitches, like, then, you know, kudos. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, more likely than not going to give up a hit. It would have been really cool not to but it's just how it goes. 
Drew Rasmussen, how would you describe him? Brilliant, remarkable, efficient, everything? Yeah, you just covered a lot of it right there. I'm just happy for Drew, happy for us, big win for us, but uh, put together a special special outing. Uh, obviously wanted to see him get it, but really, really pleased with how efficient he was. He made it easy for Kyle and I to just kept letting them go uh, a little farther than... than uh, the next inning just because he was so efficient but just a, a strong performance you win the season series against Baltimore that could turn out to be a big, a big thing yeah I mean look we'll see I, I, I knew that going in but uh, I'm sure both clubs knew that but we, there's a lot of games left um, I, I, out of respect to Baltimore I'm, I'm fine with not playing them anymore they've, they've played us really tough <laughs> Uh, there you heard it. The Rays may have clinched the season series against the Orioles, and Cash is right. There's a lot of baseball ahead. That includes a three-game series that begins tonight at the Rogers Center between the Orioles and Jays. The Jays are 2-4 and four with 14 games left against the Orioles. I mean, Kevin, uh, it, it was interesting hearing Drew Rasmussen talk about a perfect uh, about a perfect game, and, and I, I think what he said is right. They just, it sounds odd, but I've covered a, a couple of them, and they do just sort of happen. I mean, that, that's the the only way to describe it. You know, Dennis Martinez's perfect game. Covered that game. Larry Walker made his first start at first base in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delino DeShields was at second base. He had a case of the yips. He had a whole bunch of balls hit to him. He made all the plays. Walker made a couple of great plays at first base. Stuff, stuff just happens when you have a perfect game. This makes game. you wonder if the Rays ever figure out how to hit again. How, how good this team could be. Yeah, could be. yeah you know, yeah, it's good about the Rasmussen thing, and, and you can hear him talk about if you make quality pitches, you can get quality hitters out when you want to get them out. It's the Shane McClanahan thing for me. It's the number one guy. We talk about Alec Manoa here and what if he can turn the corner and get the slider back and be that guy and solidify that spot, and then you're worrying about the other starts. Shane McClanahan all of a sudden, because the league has made an adjustment against him, you know, you got to swing off and early. Don't want to get two strikes nasty, right? He relies on a lot of change-up and the moving high-octane velocity fastball, and now he's throwing the kitchen sink early and counts. Him just making that adjustment all of a sudden makes it easier for your manager, your pitching coach, your offense, your defense. And now all of a sudden, here comes the little engine that could in the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, this weekend also saw a renewal of the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. And while the Red Sox middle of the order is still scuffling, boy, they have some awful numbers. Uh, they did take two or three from the Yankees, including Sunday's 3-0 win, Rafael Devers hitting a home run in that game. The Yankees have been really inconsistent since before the All-Star break. As Sunday's loss was the ninth time they've been shut out. But they still have that division lead, stabilizing at around 10 games. Although, Kevin, I think we got to admit right now that the Houston Astros, they've kicked it into gear, and they're probably going to uh, finish with the best record in the American League East. So those dreams of a record-setting Yankees win total, well, they seem to have long, long dissipated. And let's hear what Aaron Boone and uh, Aaron Judge had to say about things after that that series against the Red Sox. How do you look at it? Because you guys still have a very sizable lead in the division, but you haven't been playing your best baseball. So, so what's the overall feeling of how you guys see things as of as of late? You know, we're in first place. Um, you know, if you would have asked me at the start of the year, you know, we would like the 10-game lead, you know, in the middle of August. You know, I think anybody would sign up for that. Um, but like I said, there's little things we need to improve on, you know, going going back on this whole road trip, you know, different things on the base path, um, you know, executing when we got guys in scoring position, um, picking each other up. 
um, you know, so our outlook is, you know, we got we got to pick it up, and, and it starts tomorrow. Well, we got shut out today, so um, I mean, it's going to happen over long long haul. Got some guys banged up, obviously, some guys in and out. You know, I, I think you try and take a bigger snapshot look, and, and the offense has been been pretty solid. You know, you're going to have these games where you you know struggle with a little bit. Obviously, a couple guys out of lineup beat up a little bit, and, and you get a hot pitcher. Um, you know, can make it tough on a given night. The uh, Red Sox, listen to these numbers, going into Saturday's game. Rafael Devers was 4 for 40 with a slash line of 100, 182, 200. That's since August 3rd. J.D. Martinez, since July 16th, hitting 145, 197, 203, no homers and eight RBIs. Xander Bogarts, since July 29th, slash line 228, 262, 351, one homer, six RBIs. So, if you're Alex Cora, the question is, you got a good pitching performance from Michael Waka and Rafael Devers hits that home run. Are you... Do you see enough green shoots that you think that you still may be in this thing? Let's, let's enjoy the off day tomorrow and be ready to play in Pittsburgh. You know, we, we're in the business winning series. And you know, finally, we won one against the East. We haven't done, I mean, yeah, that's two in a row, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, it's important, you know, and uh, we, you know, the offense at one point we're gonna get going. You know those guys are gonna hit. You know Xander is gonna hit. JD is gonna hit. You know the bottom part they're gonna do their part, and uh, you know, those guys carry us for a while, and they can get hot too. You know right now, and then do the same thing. Yeah, he was talking about that big debate as to whether or not that one win, that uh, the game they played this week against the Orioles, sure. they beat the Orioles, and according to Elias, that does count as a series. That was the first series win of the year for the Red Sox against the AL East. This was the first multiple-game series win of the year. It is about small wins when you think the mental side of baseball. When you haven't had any, and now you think you got one against the, the Big Bad Orioles, and now you got one against the Yankees, and maybe Devers is starting to get back in form. You know, he went through the injury with the lower half. Now, yeah, anytime you go through some injuries, you have to make some adjustments, and you're playing catch-up a little bit. He's a great player. Like, he, the Red Sox right now are just in a bad way. Like, yeah. they just don't know who they are as a team. And when you have a lot of the key pieces who are not performing the way you're, you think they should be performing, it sort of looks the way it looks. But I got to ask you a question. If you're Aaron Boone and you're the New York Yankees, what do you do with Clay Holmes? Since July 12th, I'll give you some numbers. The last yeah. nine and two-thirds innings, said 10 walks, ERA of over 10. That's 11 appearances. Do you flip-flop him and a roll to Chapman is the question. I mean, I, th- I, thought, I'll, I thought at some point you probably were, go- were going to have to do that anyhow. I, you know, I think this, there, people were really quick to, to brush aside a roll to Chapman. Uh, if I'm Aaron Boone, if I'm Aaron Boone, I'm probably on the verge of going back to roll to Chapman and seeing, and seeing what he does because, you know, the Clay Holmes... 
you, you wonder about the Clay Holmes thing. That was lightning in a bottle, and maybe lightning's got out, gone out of the bottle now. It, it, maybe it, lightning's gotten out. It is out. a marathon, not a sprint. But, you know, again, I think for me anyway, when you look at the Yankees, it's a lot about the offensive side. And when they're they're hitting the way they're supposed to be hitting, DJ LeMahieu has the foot and toe issue yeah. now. That That's a big deal. That is Glaber, a big deal. Glaber Torres is oh for his last 22, sort of. You know, he's had a, I don't want to say surprising year, but you didn't really know what you were going to get. He's went through a little something, and Aaron Judge can't do it all. So they, they really and they could really use Giancarlo. Even, even no question, they, they could really use no Giancarlo Stanton back. They really and, could. Anthony Rizzo is sort of that. Well, I don't want to say the the that solidifying last piece to you know you got some righties now you got a lefty. You get they get DJ back. They get Anthony Rizzo. They get all their big horses. You know I'm talking about the six foot seven ones all lined up and ready to go. I think that will more take care of the bullpen situation. But I do say I, I do think it's shone a light on how good the Astros are. Now Lance McCullers Jr. You talked about, shutout the, innings you, well, you talked about the number three starter. Yeah. How about that being your number three? It's, yeah, good, good luck. And it just uh, it just screams Astros Dodgers. It it really does. Like it's you know, it just it it screams the best two teams in baseball going against each other when it matters the most. The uh, week ahead, the Jays have got the Orioles and Yankees this week. The Orioles, they also play the Cubs. The Yankees have that series against the Rays coming up in addition to the Blue Jays. The Red Sox have the Pirates against the Rays. And uh, the Rays also play Kansas City. So the Yankees and the Jays, you know, the Yankee, the, the Jays with those games against the Orioles, and three games against the Orioles, four against the Yankees. I mean, that that's a, uh, that's a, that's a, what would you say? Those seven games. What would you be looking at? You'd be happy. I'd be happy with four, 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 no, and three. Go, take, take them by tens. Take them by tens. You got three against the Orioles, four against the Yankees, and three against the Red Sox. Go six, six and, and four. four. You don't want to go five and five. Five and five really doesn't do anything. Six and four keeps your head above water. Keeps you ahead of the teams that are chasing you, and at least keeps you in the one of the three. Sp- Spaces and that's yeah. basically all you want. I, I, right now, I don't think if you're the Blue Jays, you can afford to worry about being the home field, having that home field advantage. Just worry about getting in, and and take it by tens, simplify it, and don't be Debbie Downers. The uh, like half the half this room. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not a Debbie Downer. I'm just you know. I'm just a little wary, shall we say? We've got to talk about uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and. Um, <laughs> I think it's at? funny. I think it's funny, and then and then, well, then Fernando was, Tatis Jr. was was he's busted for busted for use of a banned substance. I mean, I wouldn't even call it performance enhancing substance. He was busted for the use of a banned substance. Uh, apparently, he he says, and his it, mom said, and his mom said, and mom mom ain't ever gonna lie. But uh, that he, he was taking medication for ringworm, and that that medication included whatever it was. Uh, what the hell, clostebol? Which uh, anyhow, he's been suspended for eighty games. The Padres are really not getting a lot of mileage out of that. What was it? Fifteen-year, seven hundred eighty-five billion dollar contract they gave him. And uh, look, I mean, all kidding aside, he's he's done for this year. He's done for 40 games next year. Can't take part in the World Baseball Classic, although that's kind of secondary right now. But my point in all this is 
you literally, Major League Baseball makes it almost impossible for you to screw up their drug testing program. No question. You, every prescription you get, you can, you've got a number, you can call your club, your team trainer. I mean, there, there, there are numbers to call. The medication can be tested. Same thing. You get a whole shipment of stuff of new of nutrients. You're right? Fernando Tatis yeah. Jr. You There's can afford, 80 people you can call. You can call somebody to say, "Yo, should I? I'm a little <laughs> worried here because I've got this thing I'm taking from I Ringworm." It, it's just it is it is mind boggling. Uh, you know dumb. the whole I was using a tainted supplement thing. I call BS on that because you know you can get the supplement tested. You can. Get the supplement through the player players association. I mean, they're just you literally have to be the dumbest human being on the planet to fail to to to, to fail baseball's drug testing. They they don't want you to fail. I feel they so literally give you all these outs, all these avenues. It's a freaking phone call. It's just the height of recklessness and stupidity. To, to to have this happen to you. It is. And it, if I'm the San Diego Pot, good, good on A.J. Preller for coming out and basically saying he's pissed. Now, you see what Jonathan Papelbon said. He said, I'd hit Fernando Tatis Jr. every single time he came up to the plate. Following, <laughs> I Look, if if you are... If you're his Padres teammates, oh man, yeah, I mean, you're looking at this guy if and you're going, the what GM the hell? And you went out and did what you did, and then you knew what was coming could make it that much better, and how you could make a run at the Dodgers. It's basically why you went out and did all that is to compete against the big bad Dodgers because you knew who was coming off the IL soon, and now he screwed it up. Man, I just don't know if you're if you're a fan of the Padres and you're a fan of Tatis Juice. I don't know how you forgive that. I don't know how you don't boo him every single time <sighs> well, when he comes back. The, the, the good Any thing, chance you get to boo him, boo him. The good thing about this, I guess, if there is a good thing, is it's happened early enough in his career that he has plenty of time to make up for it. Now, what makes this case, I think, so disappointing for baseball in general, not just the Padres, is this a guy who had become a face of the game, and, and rightfully so. I love he he was can't miss TV. I loved watching Fernando Tatis Jr. play. And he's a guy who literally will bring new fans to the game. Guys like him will bring new fans to the mm-hmm. game because he's baseball only has a certain number of players who, because of their athleticism, are as exciting as NBA players or as exciting as 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 really good NFL players. They just he, he was a great player and wanted to sell the game of baseball. He embraced it. Exactly. Absolutely. He embraced it. And and this is so disappointing. Man. Because I wanted to I'm me being a baseball fan, forget about being a, if you're a Padres fan. If you're a baseball fan, you you want that. You want somebody that thinks they're good enough to beat the Dodgers and, and compete at the highest level. And now you can't see that. How would it look with with Soto and him in the same lineup? Now we won't know for a while. It's yeah, disappointing. It's, it is, and then and then you come out and you have your mom say that, and I every once in a while you got to you got to be a big boy in a room and just go, man, I screwed up. No, the, the, see, really? I don't. Even, well, that's not. I no, screwed up. That's not even the point. At at this stage, saying I'm sorry, saying I'm sorry isn't enough. Well, at least you, you could buy that. Well, no, because it, it, it's just the stupidity. 
There, there's no Kevin. There is no reason for this to happen. There is there is absolutely no reason for this to happen other than the dude was too lazy to make a phone call, or is just such a bag of rocks that he just. Uh, or maybe that's why that, that's not the reason why he was taking it. Or that could be the case. He could be lying. You people lie. He yeah. could be lying. In which case, I bring up the argument that I always used to bring up. You're making a bazillion dollars a year. If you're going to cheat, cheat better. <laughs> like, cheat better. Figure out how to do it. If you're going to do it, you've, figure out how to do it. You've already signed for a bazillion dollars. Most people that, I would think that cheat, cheat to get paid a bazillion dollars. Not cheat when they've already been paid the bazillion dollars. Well, Does the, that make any sense? This gets into the whole thing, though, about with, and I don't know the you know, the, the, the physiological implications of this drug or whatever. But I, I mean, the reason guys take, the reason guys take performance enhancing drugs isn't just to hit the ball farther or to throw the ball harder. It's to help them train and, 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 and help them recover faster. So I, you know, just maybe guys assigned long-term contracts are still going to have to train and they're still going to have to recover. But that I mean we're, we're just splitting hairs here. Just, it, it's just, is the height of stupidity. And that's what really pisses me off about this. Maybe more, I was thinking about this when it happened, maybe more than any other failed drug test or any other steroid scandal, this one really, really, really pisses me off because of the person and because of the stupidity of it. It it really does. And I don't care about whether or not he comes clean or anything like that. that. That's... That's beyond the point here. It's not even a matter of giving a dude a second chance. That, that's beyond the point here. It, it's just the, the absolute stupidity of doing this, the carelessness, the laziness. Anyhow, it, it's just <laughs> remarkable. I mean, what do you think of what do you think of the way it came about? It is, it is literally. Almost inexplicable. It is. Here is the list of stuff you cannot take. Is what you're taking on this list. That, but that, you, and even if it's not on the list and you think it might be, further to your you point. You don't even need to do you, there, it. You don't even need to read it. You and, call. You can call somebody. The Padre, the, I'm sure the Padres have 15 people following him around to make sure he's you know, getting to the park and doing and all yeah. the right things and taking soft toss. And he can't get one of those people to run his errand for him. Well, it's not a matter of running errands. It's just a matter of you've got a phone. You've got a phone number. You call. It's just not hard. It's not hard. It's like calling your family doctor about something, except instead of one dude who's overworked, you got 15 guys who are doing dick who'll follow up for you. I mean, seriously, that's what it comes down to. I mean, just... They're da- It'll just bang your head against the wall until it bleeds. Like, seriously. You can't. I'll laugh. Oh, God. Moron. Buck Martinez and Mike Bordick will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh-huh.